Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Adjuatin Kramar Domina. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. We will have to work hard. No doubt, we will have to work hard. But it is possible. We are going to break the eight. It is possible. We are going to break the eight. And we need all of your effort for us to break the eight. Let us keep focused as a party. Vice President Dr. Mahmoudou Baumia rallies NPP members around the breaking the eight agenda following the exit of one of his contestants for the flag bearership race, Alan Kwajo Chamantin. Also coming up and to the camp of the NDC. That's the National Democratic Congress, and it is continuing with community engagements for a public buy-in to its planned Occupy BOG protest scheduled for next week. And later on Eyewitness News. Yeah, patient cannot pay. Go even 368, 380-something uh, Ghana cities. When you can, even the machine said there's no regent there. When you go there, they say they are doing only emergency. The astronomical increase in the cost of dialysis and the complaints from people with kidney diseases. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Petroleum sector players ask National Petroleum Authority to come clean on the infiltration of foreigners in the transportation of petroleum products. That's in 15 minutes from the city business desk. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a host of affiliate stations, including... Premier 100.5 FM, Beach 105.5 FM, and Sky Power 93.5 FM, all of them in Takradi, in the Western region. In the Bono region, on Greener 95.9 FM in Suyani, on Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi, that's in the Ashanti region. In Eastern region, on Right 90.1 FM in Somanya. In Volta region, on Holi 98.5 FM in Aplau. In Northern region, we are on Dasuma 99.1 FM in Yendi. Upper East, Eyewitness News is live via Word FM 88.3 in Zuarungu. And in Upper West, we are live on Boogly Radio 88.6 in Uwa. The show is also live on Facebook. We are live on YouTube. And we are also on citynewsroom.com and we are interactive. Join us with your comments by going on WhatsApp and dropping a message 0549 986996 on X, the hashtag is City Newsroom. Tweet at Sanda or at City973. Let's settle for details of our stories now. And the first one has to do with the Vice President, Dr. Mamudu Baumia. Well, so the Vice President is asking NPP supporters across the country not to be distracted by recent events in the party. Dr. Baumia says the NPP as a united party will win the 2024 election. Speaking to party supporters in the eastern region after visiting some voter registration centers, Dr. Baumia said the resignation of Alan Chomating from the NPP should not be a worry to the party. I'm happy that things are going well. I'm more even happy that all of you have come out here to meet me. It tells me that the party is well and alive. One of the things that we have to do as a party is to know that we are going to win the 2024. You should not have any doubt in your mind. We will have to work hard. No doubt. We will have to work hard. But it is possible. We will break the eight. It is possible. We are going to break the eight. And we need all of your effort for us to break the eight. Let us keep focused as a party. Don't be distracted by events. Stay focused on the main task, which is to break the eight. And let nobody distract us. We are going to win. We are going to win. So don't be distracted. Focus, focus, focus on breaking the eight in 2024.
And the Vice President, Dr. Mahamud Baumia. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM. He's rallying there his supporters, the NPP supporters, to join the campaign to break the aid. And this is happening three days after Alan Kwajo Chamantin announced his resigning from the party, that's the NPP, to run as an independent candidate in election 2024. Uh, over the past three days, we've been getting reactions from senior members of the new patriotic party to the action and decision of Alan Kwajo-Chamantin. Tonight, we're going to speak to someone who served as organizer of the party, served as acting general secretary before being elected general secretary of the party. John Boydou is joining us on the line. Sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Yeah, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a while. Where have you been uh, enjoying your, your relaxations? Well, I'm presently not in Ghana, but no relaxation. I'm pursuing other, other, other personal issues. Oh, it's because you don't call me. So you call me today, I'm with you. No, we, we've been looking for that dream. Kesi, we could not find him. It's good to speak to you tonight. It's, it's, it's another. It's another, it's another. <laughs> you, you've, you've heard what's happening to your party. Um, what's your initial comment? Um, having followed the discussion, and I believe it would have also shocked you, or it has not? Well, my initial comment is that it's, it's, it's regrettable. I think that uh, we shouldn't have gotten to where it got to. Uh, if you really observe, after the superdelegate conference, uh, for someone who was third, maybe she was expecting to perform better than he did, to come on to say that, is getting out of the race for the second round clearly indicated something. Always, what a wind of it. We did what we have to do. Uh, and I expect that uh, things will have been okay. I remember in 2008, I was in the National Youth Organizer. Uh, we almost had the same thing after the elections when uh, 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 Alan supported agreed that uh, we must not go for the second round. Because, you see, if we had gone for the second round, it wouldn't even have been possible on that day. Well, most often when we gather, congregate like that, we normally, because others come from long distances, we normally get those who come from long distances to vote so that they can go. So most of the time, they uh, listen or hear the results whilst they are on their way. Yeah, so it will have been difficult to congregate and get a quorum. And even if you get a quorum, will that quorum be, be enough to be able to determine who wins the election? So uh, taking all those things into consideration for him to have considered, because if he has not conceded or has not agreed to uh, uh, get His Excellency the President to go, go on a post or something, we may have postponed the elections and do it another time. So it was a good gesture that all of us acknowledged and felt that things were okay. So he put in his resignation and all the uh, things that has to be done was done. It wasted our time for almost three months. Remember, back and forth today, he's back tomorrow. He's not and all that. We had two committees to look at it, uh, the Darocha one and the to do size one and all that. So it was a really, really a waste of time. But you see, it was at a time that we couldn't have also decided that letting go, you know. Although we've had that experience before. For instance, if you look at the year and the run-up to the year 2000 election, we had a situation where there was mass resignation by leadership, leader, people who were considered and were blue model for us towards 2000. You remember uh, Alajinita, who was a campaign manager for uh, for resigned and joined the NDC. And he was the main tool for their campaign in the year 2000 election. You remember Joseph Oriata also resigned. Kwame uh, Cheney resigned and said that he wants to be non-partisan. Uh, when we elected when we nominated Aliu Mama, you uh, you recall that uh, uh, Wayoseni, who was then the second national 
No, no, he was then the first national vice chairman of the party. Also resigned towards 2000 elections. Let me kept focus. We crafted a good message, campaigned very well. We won the elections for the first time in our history. Towards 2016, the same thing happened where we had all these fabulous parties, vice general secretary, chairman, and all that. We were fighting to front, fighting the opposition and fighting within. The, the fight within was more, more treacherous than that. You remember that our even regional chairman of the Upper East died as a, as a result of this internal wrangling. You know, so the party is resilient. The party has gone through this. But it is up to what, what leadership will do to keep focus. Yes, he has said what he has said. And it is good that the party responded to some of the things that, in the view of the party, is, is not right. Because for me, uh, since 2008, uh, when he decided to come back with some condition, 2009, 2010, he contested again uh, uh, for the flag bearership, lost to Zanado. 2014, he contested again. There wasn't any complaint whatsoever. He joined the campaign. We ran the 2016 campaign. We won. When we won, he took an appointment as Minister for Trade and Industry. And it's not just any common cabinet ministerial position. In fact, he's the head of the Economic Committee of Cabinet. And this explanation has not been given often by people. I don't know why people tend not to get people to see how important uh, uh, the role that was played by Alan Chamante in Akufuadoka. He's the head of the Economic uh, Committee of Cabinet. Cabinet runs in a, in a committee form. We have just about, I think, five committees or so. So every minister uh, belongs to one committee or the other. You cannot send any policy or proposal, or unless it is a, a cabinet information. That one is an information that we will take. If the information is very relevant, we can refer straight away to the committee responsible for that. So all ministers send their proposal to these committees, of which he has the economic committee of cabinet. So he's played such an important role for the past six, seven years only for him to decide to want wanting to contest for the presidential flood resigned. You know, so if all these issues as he catalogues were still persistent, how on earth can anybody believe that? How on earth? From two thousand and eight and it's not been resolved. I've been like I told you, I was a national youth organizer then. I was the communication director from 2009 to 2000, and no, no, from youth organizer to 2010. I was communication director, deputy communication director, 2010 to 2014. I was national organizer till 2022. I haven't received any complaint whatsoever of anybody being attacked and, and all that. And you see. So it is good the party itself tries to explain and get uh, it out that uh, this is the position. Uh, they don't believe that uh, all these accusations are true. Beyond that, I think that that is all. The party needs to concentrate on what it needs to do. There are registration exercises going on. We have November 4th elections for the flag bearership. We have often uh, 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 constituency elections to be done in December. We have Sixteen uh, members of parliament elections we done in February, <laughs> putting together ca campaign. I don't think that uh, we need to waste our time responding to some of these issues. You realize that? Uh, hello. I'm here. Actually, I was going to ask. So, yeah. the summary of what you have said to me sounds like you're saying Alan has been a pain in the neck of the MPP for ages, and that this is almost like quote and unquote good readers. You say that is in a pain. That may not be right. Eh? But the good readers is, is right. right. It, it may not be right because 
Just not be complaining over all these years I'm talking about. You understand? From 2008 when he left and came back. But it sounded like Since you have then, been managing him because you 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 took pains to explain me, how after I, I, the... I don't think so. I don't think so. If there's any kind of management, it is arising out of maybe surrogate. You understand? Surrogate who may support him in one way or the other, may do one thing or the other and all that. But for him, like I said, because immediately after... Uh, he loses the presidential primary. He joined the main campaign, and he's the one who is the right-hand man of the Nakupuado. Okay, so if that's the case, the if that's the case, and he served a very critical and key position in government, like head of the, is it economic management, or was a proper designation head in cabinet? Of economic committee of cabinet. Of cabinet. It means he's, yeah. he's a very important figure in the government that is seeking to break the aid. If such yeah. a person quits that very government, then it means the government is wobbly, no? No, that, that's another wrong conclusion. You see, there's difference between helping to run government and also uh, having the political clout on the ground. Except that, that you see, he was not just that, helping run the government, uh, JB. He was head of Economic Committee of Cabinet. He was Minister mm -hmm. of Trade. Your party mm -hmm. has said you are going to move your manifesto for 2016 was agenda for jobs, but later on your campaign on from taxation to production. He mm -hmm. is the man who's supposed to run the production aspect of the economy. In yeah. fact, there are people who hold the view that the finance minister really uh, shouldn't take credit or, 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 or attacks for the poor performance of the economy or otherwise. It should be the minister for trade because trade really is everything. So he was critical, I, isn't, I, isn't he? I don't, I don't share the view of apportioning uh, blame uh, in the proportion that people are doing. Uh, because uh, all put together, you have minister for Greek, you have minister for Nigeria, you have energy minister, you have uh, trade minister, you have finance minister. All these important sectors are financed by the finance uh, minister, of which all of them are one uh, in one committee or the other. They all work together. So if there's any credit, it goes to all of them. If there's any failure, it goes to all of them. For anybody to single, and you must also realize that we are running an executive presidency. You see, in everything that everybody does in cabinet, with all the arguments, assuming everybody decides that they are going left, the president can say that I want to go on the right way. Or I want, I disagree with all of you. And it ends it. Because cabinet in itself is just helping president to run the presidency. It is his presidency and not any of those people who are economic management team, minister for this, minister, they are all working at the pleasure of government. That's what it is. So if people want to even apportion proper blame, it should be Nana Adodanko Akufuado. If they want to apportion proper achievement, it's Nana Adodanko Akufuado. And now all those people that they are mentioning, if president decides that, uh, finance minister should not support planting for food and jobs. Will, will anybody implement any planting for food and jobs? The VSHS should not be uh, 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 implemented. Will any uh, uh, education minister uh, implement any VSHS? Mm. Let me ask if you. President decides that, if the president decides that he won't resource the energy ministry to keep our lights on, what will any energy minister do? Everything is because of internal elections. We are pushing blame here and there just to this point. See, assuming Paumia uh, 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 is not contesting the election, assuming Alan did not contest the election, and President is contesting the election, wouldn't they are pushing all the blame to the President? Let me ask you a question I asked um, your former colleague at the executive, uh, the national organizer, yesterday. It has to do with the void that would be created. I'm talking about your current national organizer. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, I asked him a question yesterday, which I want to ask you. 
the void that is going to be created or that has been created in the absence of Alan, how can the party fill it? Well, like I told you, it, 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 it will be a void if the party does not keep its focus on what needs to be done. You understand? It will even be a catalyst for strength for the past. I've told you, you've seen stalwarts in our party that have left, especially towards elections. You remember, I, I gave you examples. Yes, you, you listed them, yes. campaign manager, those, those, those. And they were all strong people. Quite in those days, <laughs> you know who we are talking about. You know. For you to go into an election in 2016, your general secretary, your chairman, your... These are party people and not people in government. You know, these are people who work with the people on the ground. JB, so we turn that negativity into strength. JB, a, a, a party fanatic of yours called me this morning to give me feedback on these interviews that I've been having over the past three days. And he said to me, or he drew my attention to a certain fact, he said all the people who left your party which did not collapse your party, they left when you were in opposition and didn't have much to lose. And that, for instance, in 2016, when you lost your chairman and general secretary, you still went ahead to win because the NDC government was unpopular and you capitalized on the uh, lack of popularity of the party to win. And that the same thing would have happened in 2000 because you were still an opposition party coming against a party that was not popular in government, NDC at the time. However, in this particular instance, you are in power. You are already not popular with the masses based on a number of challenges that we could spend the whole night listing. The last thing you want is to have an internal turmoil while also trying to manage a national campaign. Do you not think that that, that person has a point? I think I, no, no, it's a very good point and very good observation. And uh, I believe strongly that uh, it will have been worse if Alan's performance in the just ended superdelegates conference, conference had been very exceptional. But you see, in the Sante region where he's supposed to come from, the performance wasn't even Kennedy, the four beat him in the Sante region. And in all the regions lost. You understand? So, yes, I'm not downplaying anything. Because you are running a presidential system where one vote can determine who wins the election. Yes. So, yes, it's a, a good observation. And that is not lost on us at all. All that I'm saying is that we can keep focus. There's nothing that can be, that can be done. It's like uh, fighting or crying over a sister. What else can you do? The person has decided, even if you disagree with his reason. Because I think that the reason for, as I listen to him, maybe there may be other reasons that he didn't uh, 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 give us the benefit to know. But if these are the reasons, I don't think that uh, with what he's done for in this party, it's sufficient enough to say that I'm resigning and I'm uh, going as an independent candidate. Others may think that, oh, maybe it is something that is been nursing over years. He just wants his presence. <laughs> so whatever it is, uh, uh, he's been beaten by time and age. So he just wants to be. Is that what you but think? For me, no, I don't think so. I think that uh, the party needs to keep focus. He has said what he has to say. The party has responded uh, to him about some of the inaccuracies and all that. Uh, I think that we should move okay. on. We should concentrate on okay. what needs to be done. Boachi Ejako, Boachi Ejako has issued a four-paragraph statement. I'm going to read the third paragraph for you and ask you for comment. He and said, is that one, I should be responding to Boachi No, Ejako no, no. Or? I'm not, not responding to Boachi Ejako, but because it matters, it borders on the management of your party, and since you have been a national officer, and I believe by the fact that you are a national secretary, general secretary, you are now a member of the National Council. I'm not sure if that's correct. Are you? That's correct. I'm Good. a member Great. of the National Council. So it means that you are the soul of the party. So I'm going to read this thing to you, what he has said about the party, and ask people you... Like, uh, people like Akule, too. <laughs> no, you are a big man. That's yeah. why people who call themselves founding members, they went, 
founding members are voting, they will not be part of the voting. Are you are you throwing a shade at uh, Dr. Nyahunya Otamaklo? I'm not throwing he's not a founding member in, 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 in the in the sense of a founding member of the party. I interviewed him. I interviewed him yesterday. He catalogued the, the his involvement with the party when they were creating the party. Now what he explained. He gave a very creating long story. Creating what party? Creating what party? When the party was being put together, there were specific rules that people played. Let's not digress. And let, so, so, <laughs> I don't know, but you give accolades to people and let them feel very good. If I remember, the the closest. Nyautama uh, Kru has come uh, uh, in terms of wanting to lead this party was in 2000 and I think 13 or 14 when he contested as the regional chairman of the party and got like 20, 10 percent. That's the closest. But we give our colleagues that was founding member. We don't want the founding members to come and vote. We saw those who were founding. Okay, JB, let you let me let me just take you to the to the point I was trying to make. Uh, it has to do with Boache Jaku's statement. Someone who was part of the top ten people who wanted to lead your party until a few weeks ago. The third paragraph of his statement, he said, and I read, at least my brother Chermantin has put his thoughts and feelings on paper for all to appreciate. How about the many who's who harbor similar and maybe more petulant sentiments? Uh, forgive me, just a second. Petulant sentiments in their hearts, but are not openly expressing same. There are many in our party today who have, out of dismay, resigned in their hearts and are only waiting to walk away from us to the ballot box. These are very... I've ended the reading, but these are very strong words that he uses there, and they mean a lot to your party. He's almost suggesting that your party is boiling internally, but putting up a beautiful face, and that people like Alan Chamante should be celebrated for saying publicly what many would not say publicly. You, you see, there are lots of people who have toiled for the party, who have worked on the ground, who have campaigned for the party, who have spent their money on the party, who have sacrifice their career for the survival and the achievement of this party over the years. They've never been made ministers before. They've never gotten any appointment whatsoever before. So if those who have gotten appointment before ministers are harboring this pain, then I agree with him. That there are a lot of people having having uh, uh, more bitter pains than what you think that Alan Chamante harbored and put it on paper. Because after all, for the past seven years, if it's not because he wanted to contest as a, a flag bearer of our party, he was a minister of state. How many of those people who work in this party has ever become a minister of state? So if you work and you are rewarded, even within Kufo's uh, government, he was made an ambassador. He was made a minister of state. If he had was this bitter sentiment, then there are others who are harboring more, more bitter sentiments than he is harboring. So for that one, I agree with him. So if everybody in this party who has toyed to bring us where we are, want to harbor sentiments. All of us will harbor those sentiments. So it's not as if it's a threat to anybody. The people must also recognize that they have those names they have because of a new patriotic past. If not, they were nobody. But it goes to the point that he's trying to make that many people are affected within the party and this disaffection, yes, some, this disaffection some, some would, he, say, he says the disaffection would, he says the disaffection Hello? will cost you in the ballot box or at the, yeah, in, the in the voting booth. So if it costs her so big, because these people who are ministers for a year or two, for five years, for six years, for some of them, when we're in power, 
They were ministers for eight years. Are harboring bitter sentiment. Then all of us, for some of us, for me, John Buedu, when it became very difficult, I combined two positions. I was working against external and internal threats. The day that Adam died, I was to be in Upper East on that day. Fortunately for me, I was late. I couldn't catch the flight. So I was joining the flight early in the morning. I received a call 2 a.m. that somebody has poured acid on, on, on Adam. If I had caught the plane a day before, I would have been part of it. Where we want power, I still remain as general secretary. Ask them, all of them who were ministers, ask them whether any of them have ever bothered to ask general secretary. Uh, come for even 10,000 contracts before. Ask them. All of them, all of them, including the CEOs and whatever. So if you are talking about people who are bitter, there are people who are more bitter than those who had ministers and because they are not having, they are now bitter. Is others decide that the love of the party is paramount. So even if I don't have it now. The party is not dying tomorrow. The party is not dying tomorrow. Those who sacrifice, JB Danko and Co., did they even taste power one day? Did they taste power one day? But we are enjoying the fruits of their sacrifices those days. People are writing down. People are having bitter experience. Yes, I agree. People are having even higher and more, 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 more serious bitterness. Because for them, they've not had anything. Should that be the basis for supporting political parties? Should that be the basis? When we're joining the party, did we join the party because we want to be made ministers or ambassadors and things like that? All of us will have joined the NDC, but they were in power then. All of us. What kind of seed are we sowing in our party? What kind of seed are we sowing? What kind of seed are we sowing? Yes, in terms of bitterness, all of us are bitter. But we believe that the party is supreme. So we continue to work for the party. And is... I, I contested the election last year. Didn't I lose the election? For one year plus, have I been given any appointment? Have I come crying to anybody? Have I come crying to anybody? Don't I have the right to also be bitter? So that should translate into uh, a, a level of me deciding that I'm leaving the party, I'm going independent or supporting independent, or I'll go to the polls and vote against it. This is what we want to encourage. Then we won't get even, we we'll only get those who were appointed when we won the elections. All the CEOs, ambassadors, and the few MMDCs, and ministers, and their family. All others will not vote for us. That is the basis for supporting political parties. All of us will go that way. Maybe his bitterness. Is justified to the extent that whose bitterness is justified? Who? Ejakun's bitterness. If if he is bitter, it's because he has been ruled. He's been he's been ruled out. Don't for, he didn't serve as a minister for long. Don't forget before your government fired him. But somebody did not. Somebody's name was not mentioned at all. At least, so you are saying that he enjoyed. But my point is that he was ruled out. He was ruled out of a John. He was ruled out of a competition. Whose rules were changed midway? Does that does that not is that not a fair bitterness to have? If, for instance, I, I, when I when, when we were at the Accra Sports Stadium, imagine if the rules had changed that night, would you have agreed uh, with that? Uh, uh, Omaru. Omaru Sander, yes. Omaru, I agree with the points that Ejaku made. The fact that the rules and regulations that were fashioned out by the election committee 
says that if there's the need for a runoff, the very people who um, voted for the first one will be the same people who who should vote. So if we go for National Council, and I must tell you that the National Council, there was argument here and there. And even I can even mention the name of the National Organizer. Who quoted that rules and regulation that was passed out? The only challenge we had was that that rules and regulation did not come for approval from National Council and National Executive. But it doesn't matter. They acted on behalf of the National Executive. We are considering cost and timing and all that. So that if you still strongly, because the fact of the matter is that any of them could have said that even though these rules and regulations were there, I'm not going again. So there wouldn't be any need for that election. You understand? So if those rules, he feels strongly about that. He could have brought to the attention of the election committee, national executive, national council. And wouldn't have concluded that because of that, I don't want to be part of it. I don't think that is how we should, we should behave as members of our party. People have brought this to the attention. Was it cast in stone? Maybe he well, took a lesson the from the last time he drew your attention. He and uh, eight others wrote to you and said they wanted an, an, a Congress that was so at the same venue and you ignored them. So you what was the point of writing to you again? You are going for a general election. Then you write to the electoral committee. I want this rules. This is what I want. If the electoral commission refuses because the electoral committee believes that all the points that you raise are not sufficient enough to change the already existing uh, rules to run our elections because of that. The electoral commission is wrong. Is that what it is? Two issues they raised. The first one was that uh, uh, they wanted to run it at one location. We discussed it. They made their point. At the end of the day, the National Security Council believes that if it is not broken, why do you want to fix it? In 2014, of which then I was the national organizer, the former general secretary was the general secretary. That's what we did. Ran it at the various centers. And we did it. But for uh, Northeast, everything went on nicely and, 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 and okay. Yeah, so if you bring an application that is just trying to suggest, and that was not accepted. Is that Davis was deciding that then I won't bring any uh, uh, suggestion again? The other one is to say that oh, we, one individual should vote for five people, which is contrary to what the Constitution says. Well, if you give me a ballot paper, all the time they ask me to vote for five people. Do I want to vote for five people? I may want to vote for only one person. You know what will have happened. I will have picked the, the ballot paper, and that one person, I will vote for him five times. Does that resolve any problem? Does that resolve any? They didn't consider that. I had even, even a stronger point that I believe that it was, if it was that point that they have pushed, the fact that this current national officer, They've not had an annual delegate conference. Mm -hmm. They are one year in office. Considering the timetable they put together, it is not possible to have a, a national annual delegate conference till the end of the year. We go into the first quarter. There is a parliamentary primary for sitting members of parliament. So the likelihood of them having the opportunity to address the entire party Maybe lost so even after elections. You understand? So this was a, an opportunity where all regional chairmen, regional executives are there, all constituent executives, representative constituencies will be there, all MPs are there, all national for them to have addressed uh, 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 the party about the state of the party, the way forward, the strategies, what needs to be done, and all that. If they have made such persuasive arguments, they would have won the hearts of members of the National Council. But hey, that's why what democracy is about. If we see an argument, if it's accepted, that's good. If it is not, you move on. 
You understand? So I think that whatever suggestion uh, that normally that he recognized was right. But that shouldn't have been the conclusion. Now, I've pointed out to uh, 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 either the election committee or national executive, and they will have no choice than to stick to their own rules that they established. You understand? So, for you to say you, because hmm. of that, you will not be part of it. Very well. Then, no, nobody has a problem with it. Thank you. Just Thank for you. you to conclude, or others to conclude, that there are people who are bitter. Yes, it's true. And there are people who are more bitter than they are. But at least they have had the opportunity. Mm. JB, thank you. But thank you. But before we go, um, when are we expecting you back in active politics? Um, what are you doing? Are you, have you retired or you'll be back? <laughs> I don't know what you call active politics. You call me and you're actually doing sketches and I'm. <laughs> no, because I'm hearing you uh, now, and I'm wondering if uh, there's any. You let's leave it. Let's leave it. We'll talk about this at a later time. <laughs> I'm still around anyway because um, uh, after this uh, internal election uh, is ended, uh, that around February, there about uh, a campaign team will be put together. Some of us will find ways of supporting. It's good you mentioned constituents. I heard somewhere that John Boydou is hoping to go to parliament. Which seat is that? Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> Kafra. <laughs> I can't be part of that thing again. Okay, that's fine. I can't be part of that thing again. The stress. Oh, I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. Today you get this, yes, tomorrow you didn't get any problem. <sighs> 20 something years, Omar. 20 something. I've been a national officer from 2001 or 2002 to 2022. 20 years running uninterrupted. Who has been able to do that in our past? Johnson, I see Dunketia has done it at the other side. Well, the other side, not in our past. We wish you all the best. So, 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 it means that you are saying that, in fact, you are tired. The general secretary position says you won't try, won't premium, and the no, chairman, no, 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 no. you won't no, run no, for no, general no. secretary again. No, 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 it's out, it's out, it's out. And chairmanship? It's out. I don't know about that, but going back as general secretary. Wish you all the best, and thank you for speaking to us tonight. Thank you. That's John Buidu, also known as Adrian Kessier, um, former General Secretary of the New Patriotic Party. This is Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Another story the Eyewitness News team is looking at indeed the city newsroom has to do with the cost of dialysis at the Kolebu Teaching Hospital. What was the story? The management of Kolebu Teaching Hospital has explained that the increase in the cost of dialysis treatment for patients with kidney diseases is due to the rise in the price of consumables. Now, the cost has gone up from 380 Ghana cities to 765 Ghana cities. There's more in this report filed by City News' Eno Safo. A notice by the head of the dialysis unit at the center has announced an increment in the cost of dialysis treatment. The price has risen from 380 Ghana cities to 765.42 Ghana cities. This announcement has received mixed reactions from the public. I heard that they have increased the dialysis. And what I can say is that even the 380 Ghana cities, they can't afford. And today you can see that 700 and something Ghana cities, then people are going to die. Because when you look at the situation, even to, for Kolebu to even do some subsidy, on this dialysis is possible. Yeah, patient cannot pay. Go even 368, uh, 380 something Ghana cities. When you can, even the machines, there's no reagent there. When you go there, they say they are doing only emergency. So people are dying. 
people are dying. So now it's 700 and something. How can they pay with this economy? And if you read the notice, the indication is that the price had moved from the current point to almost 700 Ghana cities. In fact, in excess of 700 Ghana cities. Um, I got alarmed by that particular notice because I know people who go for dialysis um, sometimes three times in a week and they need to do that plus or minus um, 12 times in a month. And so if the person needs to do it 12 times in a month and he has to pay um, in excess of someone cities per session, just do a simple calculation. That's huge. You need to have those of income or money to be able to sustain that. So I felt that that's effectively Kulebu Teaching Hospital um, signing the death sentence of persons who go to Kulebu for dialysis. I, I found that as well, that it is the exchange rate that is creating the bigger problem there. Uh, but I have said that um, against the life of individuals, if there's any way, is it possible that national health insurance can even intervene? Is it possible? So that we can look at all the scenarios, the possibility of national health insurance getting involved to, as it were, to minimize the impact on uh, persons who go for their dialysis every um, week. According to the hospital, they have met with the patients privately to discuss the fees. In addition to the increment in dialysis treatment, the hospital has resumed its routine operations at the dialysis center. This positive development comes after the hospital received a much needed consignment of renal consumables. Previously, the center had to temporarily close down due to a shortage of the medication required for renal dialysis. Mustafa Salifu, the public relations officer of the Kolebu Teaching Hospital, explains that the treatment interruption occurred due to contractual issues with the supplier. We had some contractual issues with the suppliers of the consumables that we used to do the renal dialysis. And that caused some delay uh, in getting the, the consumables uh, imported into the country for uh, services to our patients. But thankfully, last week, we took delivery of uh, those consumables, and then uh, we are starting to provide the service from today to the patients. In terms of what happened, the, these are contracts that we just send. Sometimes there are contractual issues that you have to discuss uh, with the suppliers so that uh, you get to the point where the possibility of having such issues will, will be minimized significantly. I think that has been done, and then we hope that uh, going forward, uh, both sides of the uh, both parties will work assiduously to avoid uh, uh, this kind of challenge that we had in the past. City News can confirm that the Kolebu Teaching Hospital held a closed-door meeting with dialysis patients to explain to them the reason for the fee increment. And they say that this is to enable them ensure that treatment continues and they will be able to continue to import the renal dialysis that they use in the treatment. For City News, my name is Enusafo. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. So the issue of the, the increase uh, over 100% is becoming a source of worry for many people who uh, patronize the dialysis center at Kolebu Teaching Hospital. The legal aspect is what we want to look at, whether what the Kolebu Teaching Hospital has done is lawful or otherwise. Kwabina Minta Akando is a former deputy minister and his ranking member on the Health Committee of Parliament. He's MP for Jaboso. You're welcome to Eyewitness News, sir. Thank you. We do know that Parliament has to approve certain fees before they are charged of the citizenry. Does the issue of how much you pay for dialysis at Kolebu come under the the fees and services the fees and charges act that you usually pass for public institutions? The answer is no. And therefore whatever fees or charges the Kolebu teaching hospital is seeking to collect with respect to dialysis is illegal. 
Okay, so, so I think my question, then you understood my question to mean whether they have brought it to you or not. I was asking if they ought to have brought it to you, and you said the answer yes, is no. They so ought, I, they ought, yeah, they ought to have because I mean, Kolebu is a public institution, public health facility, and they cannot set their own fees and charges. So it must come to the social legislation. In fact, they must come through us to the social legislation committee, and of course, I'm also a member of the social legislation committee, and. I don't know of any such, I mean, atrocious amount approved for the charge of uh, dialysis. That we have not done that. And so any, any such fees that has been proposed or that is being charged at Kolebu is strictly illegal. And I think that they must stop with immediate effect. If they do not stop, what options would be available for Parliament? What can you do? Yeah, I believe, number one, I believe they will stop because it's illegal. But if they do not stop, um, maximum by Monday will be there to have first-hand information. And from there, um, we, will, we will have to hold the minister responsible for health before the committee to come and answer questions. Because this is highly unacceptable, it's unconscionable. And I think that we must not entertain it. I don't know whether you have assessed the gravity of the matter. If you are charging 765 genesis per dialysis, in some cases you have to do three times within one week. Okay? And so we are talking about more than 2,000 genesis. Within one month, we are talking about in the region of 9,000 genesis. Omaro, you, you, how much do you take a month? Even me, as a member of parliament, I can't afford that. And so the, the main objective of a public health facility is not profit-making. main objective of every public health facility in this country is to provide quality health care to the people. It is not profit-making. And so we even know other private and quasar um, government, uh, quasar health facilities, which are charging less than the 700 they are charging, and yet they are running their departments and units. In fact, it is government's responsibility to guarantee good health care for the people of this country. So whatever it takes, I've heard some of their justifications, i.e. high inflation, the waiver of um, the exemptions. Okay, It is not for nothing that past governments have been exempting uh, or police exemptions on some of the I mean, regions and then materials for these critical services. It is not for nothing. Okay, So you don't come and mismanage the economy, and then you go and place taxes on this region so such that you pass it on to the ordinary patient. You don't do that. In any case, the, the taxes you have collected all this while, six years, seven years down there, what have you used? What, of what benefit has it been for uh, the, the good people of this country? Such well. that now you are pushing people into their graves. How insensitive can government be? Mm. You are pushing people into their graves. This is something if you refuse to do, or you are not, if you don't ask, you can't afford for more than a week or two, you will die. You will die. And government is looking on, at least this piece has been on for the past three days, and nobody is responding to it. What kind of government do we have in place? This is health issue. Very health well. matter. Very well. For Christ's sake, somebody must be responsible. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you. That's Honorable Kwabna Minta Kando. He's MP for Jabosu and the ranking member of the Health and Health Committee of Parliament. He's a member of the NDC. And talking about the NDC, it is planning to occupy the Bank of Ghana. That uh, demonstration is scheduled for next week, Tuesday. Ahead of that, it has been doing community engagements, uh, which has been doing in the Ododododio constituency at a place known as Besi. started yesterday. Besi started yesterday. And the party continues uh, to do that and is inviting uh, its supporters and community members to join it for that uh, Occupy BOG protest, uh, which it schedules for 3rd October next Tuesday. We do have eyes on that story for you. And as and when they hit the grounds, we'll be sharing with you uh, what you need to know about it. And talking about political issues, if you want more, uh, there's an exclusive interview with uh, Alan Kwejo Chamantin, City TV and CTFM's Bernard Kokuavle has interviewed Alan Kwajo Chamantin. That interview is airing tonight at 9 p.m. on City TV on The Point of View. You want to stay tuned in and listen to Alan's reasoning 
for quitting the MPP and deciding to run independent. Uh, there's also an interview with uh, Nyaho Nyaho Tamaklo, who's, who was mentioned on Eyewitness News tonight. You want to stay tuned into 97.3 CTFM at 7 p.m. Uh, there are about, actually, no, that would not be happening because there will be no point blank tonight because there's a game coming up. So the city sports team would actually be taking over your airwaves. But we have business news coming up next. So stay with the 97.3 CTFM Relevant Radio always. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. It is time for the City Business News on Eyewitness News, and this is powered by the citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ajwati Nkrama Domina. The details now, and the Association of Oil Marketing Companies wants the National Petroleum Authority to ensure the transportation of petroleum products is left in the hands of local businesses rather than foreigners. It comes on the back of the influx of tankers allegedly owned by Chinese nationals which have been engaging in transportation. The development, the association fears, puts the whole age of petroleum products under threat. The oil marketers are demanding that a regulator holds the activities of the foreign operators is also asked for clarity on how the Chinese trucks have been allowed in the country, which they fear would collapse the businesses of local tanker drivers. Kukwa Jimedria is the CEO of the Association of Oil Marketing Companies. The military should stop these people from bringing the trucks in. They've got more than enough we have in the country, more than enough that we need country and then if the guys want different business she will for different business we we'll allow people to come into our business and come and defeat to us basically okay. it's, it's we have got regulation we say that Daniel should be driving the trucks yeah basically 100 percent not even partial that's the ceo of the association of oil marketing companies kweku ajemai gia Meanwhile, the Tanker Owners Union in Ghana has reiterated the negative impact of the increasing presence of Chinese-owned trucks. According to the union, this surge in foreign ownership has the potential to jeopardize the already struggling operations of local players in the fuel distribution sector. In an interview with City Business News, Ignatius Kokudo, the executive secretary of the Tanker Owners Union, emphasized that although the union has proactively raised these concerns to the National Petroleum Authority, no tangible action has been taken yet to address the situation. The tankers are passing through the process. The process is through which they will calibrate. They have not been not, uh, registered, sorry. And then they are going through the processes that will make them get the MPA license. So that's why we started showing our concern. And we want to actually make everybody, or we want to make Ghanaians understand that, that we, are, we are going for a, a long haul. And if those tankers should be allowed into the system, then we also uh, advise ourselves on a whole lot of wide range of issues that we would do. The authorities should stop that. You should stop them because it's not fair. And most of them also have one way or the other lived on our resources before. We will not hide that thing. They came to us looking for funds to do their own their campaigns and other things. So if today they have found their feet and that for that matter they think they can do that, we only appeal to them to stop it so that we all don't find ourselves at each other's neck. Ignatius Kokudo is the executive secretary of the Tanka Owners Union. Away from that, the government has underscored the critical role of sustainable farming in achieving food security. This, the Ministry of Food and Agriculture explains, is exemplified in the implementation of Phase 2 of the Planting for Food and Jobs Initiative. Deputy Minister for Food and Agriculture, Yao Ado, delivering a speech on behalf of the government during the launch of the 39th National Farmers Day celebration set to take place in Takra, they reaffirmed the government's unwavering dedication to ensuring food sufficiency through concerted efforts. Our evaluation also reveals that notwithstanding these achievements, there is a need for new strategies to optimize returns on investment. We recognize the urgent need to expand our productive capacity and harness the opportunity to unlock the full potential of the sector. The outcome is the birth of the second phase of the Party for Food and Jobs Initiative, which was outdoored last month by the President in Tamale. At full implementation, the PFJ 2.0 will certainly change the face of Ghana's agriculture. It is a five-year master plan for the renewal of agriculture in Ghana. It represents a new trajectory that replaces the input subsidy program with an input credit intervention. That was a Deputy Minister for Food and Agriculture, Yao Ado. 
We'll stay on food security because the Peasant Farmers Association is advocating for a comprehensive trade policy aimed at ensuring a consistent food supply throughout the region. This advocacy is in response to alarming findings from the Africa Agriculture Status Report, which reveals that approximately 50% of the African population currently lacks access to an adequate supply of food. In an interview with City Business News, Dr. Charles Nyaba, the head of programs and advocacy for the Peasant Farmers Association, explained that they need to remove trade barriers that exist on the continent in the wake of the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. If we have a trade regime that allows smooth movement of goods, services, and agriculture inputs, it will go a long way to motivate farmers to actually identify those areas that. They think that they can actually have market access and then increase their productivity. I'm not saying that Ghana should only be the country to look at, but our other countries that equally have competitive advantage to produce services that in Ghana we don't have, they can do that. If you take um, Shogun, Shogun for instance, there's a huge market for Shogun in Ghana. Ghana has Shogun to do uh, 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 malt and other beverages. Okay, you go to Togo, you go to Burkina, and there's a lot of shogun in the market. But to bring that shogun to Ghana through a food is a problem. That's for example, there are other commodities like um, cassava. There are huge market in Burkina. But the little partners are stopping cassava production because it got to the point they are not getting market for cassava, large market for cassava. So if there's a trade within now, now allow these farmers to easily move their commodities from either here or other areas to other countries. I think it will increase their productivity, create more incomes, and address all the food that we are facing. You just heard Dr. Charles Nyaba. He's the head of programs and advocacy for the Peasant Farmers Association. And now the Customs Division of the Ghana Revenue Authority says it will not relent on its enforcement and compliance strategies to ensure the government achieves its revenue target. Leadership of Guta has charged its members to resist what they term harassment and intimidation by GRA officials. However, the division maintains that although it will continue engagement with the business communities, it will not hesitate to crack the whip on traders trying to evade their surveillance. These comments were made by the Commission of Customs at the GRA Alhaji Seydu Idrisu at a fourth annual general meeting of Retired Custom Officers Association here in Accra. Another thing I want to call on record to do is community engagement. Let us consider expanding our average efforts to engage with local communities, the trading public, educating them about the importance of customs, trade, and the benefits of compliance. Enough, uh, Smith to, support to try and dominate the game. We... The fight against smuggling and illicit trade. And retired customs officers have that capacity. And you will live in communities where you are leaders. And we can play this work, this role effectively. Mr. Chairman, a few weeks ago, I think uh, you've seen uh, it's normal for us when you traders and trade associations are uh, demonstrating against us for arresting them. And we have, uh, yearly has also come out of a, a response. In fact, two days ago, the national executives of uh, Guta and the Central Regional Executives met with GRA top management, and we pointed out to them that the fact that we are enforcing our mandate outside the entry points is part and parcel of measures that we take, and they cannot say that we should stop. Commissioner of Customs at the GRL Haji Seydu Idrisu. Let's now bring you some updates on CBO and the Eden Heights Sports Complex in Weja will be hosting the 2023 edition of the City Business Olympics for the second consecutive year in our series to build up to the event. We give you a sneak peek into the sporting grounds. <laughs>
The ultra-modern complex offers a wide range of sports facilities, making it the perfect venue for our event. These facilities include a top-notch football pitch, a well-maintained basketball court, and Olympic-sized swimming pool and sport halls suitable for various indoor activities. Tennis enthusiasts will also find courts tailored to their preferences. Eden High Sports Complex caters for fitness enthusiasts as well. There is a fully equipped gymnasium stocked with state-of-the-art exercise equipment for cardiovascular workout and strength training. Freema Edunyame is head of events and partnerships at CTFM and CTTV. She also provides more highlights. This is Corporate Ghana team coming together this time around, not maybe at a seminar, not at a workshop, mm. but we are still networking. We are still discussing proposals. And we have the CEOs there, we have BDMs there, we have the HR managers there, we have um, the entire workforce, you know, coming. So it is a very relaxed atmosphere to come exercise to come play and also to discuss business. Now, everybody should go see Eden High. You must see Eden High. You know, when you get to live in a very beautiful environment, that comes with a sports complex. The City Business Olympics 2023 is powered by City TV with support from City FM and proudly sponsored by Lozati Lozenges from Unicom Chemist Limited, EK Brand Consult, Blue Jeans Energy Drink, Hollard Insurance, Voltic Ghana Limited, Fan Yugo, and Universal Motors. For more on registration, please call zero. 0205-973-973 or 0558-973-973. Nilati Lati is with the business desk of City Newsroom. And that's all for City Business News. On Eyewitness News, it was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Adjua Tenkrama Domina. Thank you for listening. <laughs>